It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the entire show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can email us radio at agphd.com. And, you know, this time of year, Farmer Friday is even more fun because there's a lot of stuff going on in the field. So it isn't the hypothetical, I wonder, what do you think about doing this next year? It's, hey, right now my crop's at this stage and I need to do something about it. Those are fun questions to take. Some of them are kind of tough, though. For example... Uh, I've got a number of calls uh, from the East Coast that have said, we've got some crusting. We've got beans that are having a hard time pushing through. We've got corn that's having a hard time pushing through. And my first question is, what's your base saturation calcium? What's what's your base saturation magnesium? And the first question, Brian, is still for most people, well, I'm going to call the seed dealer and see what's wrong with the seed. Well, it it isn't the seed that, that can't push through the crust necessarily. Oftentimes there's some soil characteristics that, that can be changed or soil management that can be changed with tilt, different tillage or no tillage with cover crops, those kinds of things. There are farmers right around if you've got crusting that don't have a crusting problem. Why not ask those guys and say, well, what are you doing different? And what's your soil analysis like compared to mine? Because honestly, when we see high calcium, low magnesium soils, we just don't have the crusting issue, and certainly in no-till and in cover crop type situations, we don't have that crusting issue either. Well, here's really what it comes back to, and we talk about this often on the show. We can all play victims and say, well, there's nothing I could do, and yep, Mother Nature was just against me, and that's the way it goes. Or <laughs> we can look at the mirror and say, you know... I got to get better. I got to figure out how I'm going to overcome this because it's going to happen again. I mean, every year is different. Granted, you might have an exceptional year weather-wise and you say, well, that's exactly never going to happen again. Well, maybe not, but it might be something similar. And so we got to figure out, okay, what, what can we do to weatherproof our crop as much as possible with the understanding that, hey, I mean, things are going to happen. And sometimes, yes, there's hail, there's this super hard rain, you name it, that could cause a problem. But like to answer your question specifically on this crusting deal, the things we're going to look at are, well, number one, we got to make sure we have good drainage. Do, do you need tile in the ground or any other type of drainage improvement? Do you have some compaction layer that's got to get addressed? Or is it just to your point there on the calcium thing, the fact that we have less than 65% calcium in our soil, that's a problem. And you're much more likely to have crusting if you have less than 65% calcium in your soil. And quite frankly, we like closer to 75%. Calcium is, it's a, it's bigger than what, what magnesium is and sodium. And so basically if we can have all these big molecules out there all this calcium that allows for more porosity in our soil and then we have less chance for compaction and less chance for soil crusting. But then the other big factor here is soil organic matter and just even residue that you're going to leave out there. So the more residue is out there, the higher the organic matter level, then the less chance there is for soil crusting too. So there are some things that you can do if you want to minimize that problem. I, I mean, even on our own farm, I can just tell you we had some crusting. This is 25 years ago on our farm. Where was it? 
It was around the ends of fields where we were doing tillage. Where we weren't doing tillage out in the field, we didn't have a crusting problem at all. We also, in years like this, get some people who say, well, I'm going to plant a little bit deeper to hit moisture, and that's fine if it's going to be dry. But if it's going to be wet, you don't want to do that because now if you got corn seed down three inches in the ground, it's got to push through potentially a thick layer at the top. All right, we're going to get to the phone lines here. Start off out in Pennsylvania. We've got Noah on with us right now. How's it going, Noah? Good. How are you? Good. Good. What's on your mind today? So just um, had a question for you guys about uh, some pre-emerge on uh, uh, corn and soybeans. Um, Right now I'm just kind of doing a an early burn down um, with Roundup, and then we work work our ground. We we spread a lot of chicken litter in the in the um, uh, as early as we can in the winter and early spring. Sometimes, uh, getting my question. Sometimes the weeds will get ahead of us though, and it just makes it a challenge to get worked under. Um, just wondering, is can I put something down like before spreading my my manure or? Uh, what would you recommend for that? Well, you potentially could, I guess, if you want to. Let me ask you this. How early do you plant? When do you normally plant your corn and soybeans? Uh, so we're planting now. Um, we have a, we're, we're pretty dry for this time of year, I'd say. So on average, I'd say we're, we're probably average to a little bit early. Um, now, we were very dry this, this, uh, okay. this winter. We had... Virtually no snow, rains here and there, but yeah. Okay, okay. So you plant in May. When do these weeds start popping up? In April, sometime. Yeah, like so. Put it this way: I was spreading manure early, early, you know, March and April, and it was basically clean fields. And then, yep. you know, as as um, as the spring progressed, it just, yeah, you know, gotcha. Okay, come back to to start working ground, and it's like. Wow, what happened? <laughs> yeah, well, let me ask you this. Is there a reason why you are planting in May instead of planting in April? And I'm just asking the question. I I, I mean, no judgment or yeah. anything else. I'm just curious. Is there a no. reason why you like yeah. it better in May? Uh, no, we can try to get this in as early as we can. Um, just, you know, I guess manure, getting manure on the ground takes a little bit. I shouldn't yep. say it takes priority, but we try to, we try to get that done yep. as soon as we can. Yep. And then switch to planting, but um, you know, just just was thinking here, maybe I should, you know, sp- spray my trees earlier. Yep. Then, like, so right now I'm spraying after I plant. You know. Yes. Okay. I'm, you know, wondering, could I could I push that up a month and? You yep. Know, yep. Okay. okay, so uh, we we got to take a quick break here, Noah. Hang on with us, though. But I'm going to tell you the reasons why you might want to do that and why you might not. So just hang on with us through the break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg. Think Biological. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. 
with three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, is formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. Getting more nitrates into the corn plant drives yields higher. When and where you place your nitrogen makes a big difference in packing nitrates into the air. 360 Y-Drop places in right over the roots. It's the most efficient way to move nitrates into the plant for better tip fill and heavier kernels. Convert your side dress bar to 360 Y-Drop. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday where we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. So right before the break, we had Noah call in from Pennsylvania. And just to, to set this up one more time, he said he is spreading a lot of manure in the spring, chicken litter, and then this is in March and April. So then by the time he gets the ground worked and gets out there planting, a lot of times it's May. Well, then in some cases, the weeds are getting big. So he was just asking, can I spray my pre like a month early? So Noah, here's what we do on our own farm. Um, we try to spray real early and then we try to plant real early. Like literally some years there is still frost in the ground when we start planting and that is no joke. And people think we're absolutely insane, but it works great. But anyway, when the ground, there's still a little frost in the ground or just after, let's call it a week after the frost is out of the ground, there are no weeds out there. Just like you were talking about how your fields were clean in March and early April. That's part of the reason we like being out there because then we can get by with just a normal rate of a pre-emerge herbicide. We get to crop canopy and we're, we're good to go. So the advantage to putting out a, a pre real early for you would be, yes, your fields would be a lot more weed free come planting time if that's what you want to do. It's just that the disadvantage is you're going to use up some of that herbicide before your crop is planted, meaning is there going to be enough residual to carry you all the way to that full crop canopy? So I would just say this, I would start by trying that on some of your ground, especially like let's call it your weediest ground or where you've been having some problems and make sure that you're running the full labeled right there and then just kind of plan on with whatever you're going to do post-emerge that it might have to be a little bit better. In other words, sometimes we, well, I'll just be upfront. Sometimes we try to get by cheap and sometimes we go, okay, we can't just get by cheap here. We're probably going to have a weedy mess. We're going to spend whatever we have to, to make sure this happens where we get great weed control. So that may be a field where I switch to status on corn instead of doing an HPPD and atrazine or something like that. So yeah, you can do it either way, whatever you want to do. But I, I mean, 
we ran into the exact same situation you were in this year where we were waiting for some manure to get applied so that delayed our planting well by the time we got out there it wasn't as clean as i would like it but we tilled it and i mean everything turned out fine because we had a cold spring but in a normal year if that happened those weeds might have been too big and the tillage might not have completely taken them out so i totally get where you're going with this whole thing and yes you can spray earlier if you want you can also if you want put some herbicide out in the fall and that will help suppress stuff and tell planting too so we've done that before as well now what would you use in a case so right now i'm using uh, acuron and atrazine for corn Yep. Um, we have used the pre on soybeans in the past, but just like I said, we haven't seen the benefit in season so much, or didn't seem to see the need, I guess. So we kind of stopped doing that. But mm-hmm. what would you what would you use on? Would you use the Acuron and Atrazine earlier, or would you switch to something else? And and what would you use on the soybeans? Sure. Okay. So I, Acuron's a, a decent product, but my concern with it is twofold. Number one, you have a lot of HPPD in there. So I just worry about potential carryover if I do want to go back to soybeans. And then I'm a little concerned about weed resistance too, because basically it's group 15, HPPD, and a little bit of atrazine. So for me, I like getting some other mode of action out there. So personally, I, I prefer verdict. So that gives me a group 15 and some sharpen. Uh, but we've also gone with a number of other things. It really depends on your weed spectrum. So a lot of people in our geography use SureStart or TripleFlex. On our farm this year, we just used a straight Group 15. That was less expensive, a lot less expensive than Acuron. And then we just came post-emerge with either an HPPD like Callisto and some Atrazine and Roundup. Or if we had a weed issue, then we just went with status along with Roundup post-emerge. So pre's and soybeans, we always talk about, we call it the three pre's. It's a yellow, uh, so that'd be like trifluralin or prowl, and then metribuzin and either authority or valor. And then we look at Roundup resistant weeds are really the big thing everybody's complaining about. That'll take out usually about 99% of those Roundup resistant weeds. And then whatever we, we have to do post it's not as big a deal. So especially when you're talking manure, I know what weeds you're probably dealing with. It's pigweed, it's lamb's quarters, maybe a little kochia in there, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's we used to call these manure weeds, small seeded broadleaves. And I mean, you want to have something that's good on those. And in soybeans, the problem post-emerge is we just don't have a lot of great options until you go to some of those traded crops like Enlist or Extend. So that's where we really like seeing pre's down in soybeans if you got any of these manure weeds and otherwise yeah i mean there's there's nothing necessarily wrong today with your acuron i just i get worried about carryover and hppd resistance and stuff like that so could, if i were to spray a um a different pre-emerge earlier could i then cut my rate of like an acuron product or honestly if i was you i'd just spray the acuron earlier and okay and then i would plant and I would uh, hope for the best because, quite frankly, I want that Acuron out there earlier. It gives me more time to get rid of the HPPD and atrazine before my crop next year. So I'd just go with the Acuron okay. early, and then I'd spray post-emerge yeah. and see what I got, and I'd make the decision then. Okay. Hey, I appreciate it. You bet. Yeah. Thanks, Noah. Good luck out there. Yep. Thank you. All right. Next up is John up in Ontario, Canada. John, how's it going? Good. Very good. Thank you. Is it corn time right now, or what are you guys working on? She's go time corn, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. How How is the soil? Is it is it in pretty good shape? 
the one farm I'm in now is pretty hard, but that's fine. It's uh, it dried up real fast. So yeah, um, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing this spring yep. how quick things did dry out. Were you guys dry going into the fall? Oh, very dry. Yes. Yep. Yeah, very dry. Yep. In fact, we got all our fall tillage done with no rain. So, and uh, we had a mild winter here, uh, and no snow where we are in southern Ontario. So, and not real hard winter, no no real frost or frozen ground. So, I'm not sure if that's part of it why it's hard. But of course, we're getting to our heavier soils now. We got all our light stuff planted. So. Sure. So, okay, tell, tell me about your nitrogen plan then for this corn. How do you guys do it? Well, we were running uh, half our nitri, uh, nitrogen UAN uh, up front with our uh, chemical working it in and going back Y-dropping. Uh, last year being so dry, went in knee-high, uh, Y-dropped the corn. And anything, I smaller fields that I didn't want to Y-drop, put it all up front, we found it was better. So this year, last summer, we searched around and found a terrigator and we're flooding it on with our herbicide and working it in. So I, I just rather get it all done at, at the start. So I'm watching other guys that plant the corn and go in there and side dress right away. So why don't I just work it in? I'm just, that's the way I want to do it. And, um, the Y drops, I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. The last couple of years here have been super dry and, I know we're shooting for silage, and it seems like we get, well, I say seems like. Brian, I think you can speak for yourself, Brian, but I think my brother thinks this is a sure thing, but putting more nitrogen out early often leads to more tonnage here. So that's one of the things, and plus in these dry years, if we put it on late, it just seems like we don't get the benefit from it if we don't get timely rainfall. Well, and I listened to your guys' show, and I kind of picked this up from you guys, so I thought, well, get the nitrogen on. We're using a stabilizer. We're using anvil with it or more of that's a denitrification, I think more than a stabilizer, but, uh, it worked good for us last year. So we're using that. There's not a lot of product uh, to use. We can mix 30 liters with 7,000 gallons or yeah, 30 liters with 7,000 gallons of UAN. So, um, seems to work. So, and we're getting older. I'd rather do more fishing in the summer than Y dropping. <laughs> well it does take some time there's no doubt about that well i yeah, know there's a lot yeah. of different a lot of different ways to do it a lot of different ways to grow crops so i don't know you try it out and you see and if it works great then then awesome and you, you're right yeah. though i mean it's it's a lot of it does come down to time and how you want to spend it and uh yeah you know what yeah. if this is the same amount of yield and i i do better with my personal life on the side i get a little more time with my family or whatnot or maybe more time away from from them maybe that's what i need Jen. i just need more time more time away from my brother or something here but uh no i i'm just kidding hey good luck to you guys no, you no, plant stay true. stay safe and uh hopefully you, you everything goes well for you thank you you too it's farmer friday on today's ag phd radio show and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD we'll be right back The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. 
Together, we can uproot the stigma. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming! We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday, where we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. So right before the break, Darren was just visiting with John up in Ontario, Canada, about this putting more nitrogen on up front, as opposed to not putting nitrogen on in the middle of the season. I just figured I better clarify on this. This really depends on your area and your soil type. So if you've got super heavy soil, so for example, on our farm, we got a lot of soils that are 25 to 30 CEC. They can hold a ridiculous amount of nitrogen. And normally for the entire growing season, we'll only get 10 to 15 inches of precip in there. On a whole year basis, we get 20 to 24 inches of total precip, including the snow. So my point is this, if you've got super heavy soil, you don't have much rainfall, like these kind of conditions that I'm talking about right here, then you can probably get away with, I mean, unless you're getting super carried away, but you can probably get away with putting a fair amount of your nitrogen on up front, especially if you're using stabilizers, controlled release nitrogen, things like that. 
However, if you have light soil in an area where you have lots of rain, please don't put all your nitrogen on up front because you're going to end up losing a bunch, causing groundwater issues and things like that. So it all depends on your situation. I just wanted to clarify that real quick. All right, let's jump into the next call. We got Kevin out in Pennsylvania uh, doing some planting out there too, I bet. How you doing, Kevin? Good, Darren, Brian. How are you guys? Good, good. You way ahead of everybody and all done, or are you guys still rolling too? Oh, I'm finished. I'm going on vacation. So, yep, I'm done. Awesome. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, uh, we can all dream, I, right? I just, that's right. That's right. I uh, just started beans this week. I was honestly hoping to start last week, but we had some crazy weather. I don't know if you guys got any of that, but uh, gosh, it was snow flurries in the beginning of the week, then rain in the middle, and then it got warm and nice at the end. <laughs> and now it's 80 degrees and sunny uh, this week. And so I jumped out on beans, and I'm literally on my last field here and just about to wrap it up, then we'll switch to corn here. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, that's that's a good thing. Tell me about uh, just everything this year. Is it all falling into place for you? Seeds been on time? Fertilizer's been right when you need it? Or you got a lot of things yet to pull together for the corn? No, uh, it's pretty good right now. Um, we don't have all of our uh, corn pre-plant fertilizer out yet, um, but we've got most of it. We just, you know, got a bunch of that out a uh, week or so ago. And uh, so I'd say we're halfway there on the corn. And so we have a good jump on it. Once we start planting here, uh, we've got a little bit of space, and then we'll get some more fertilizer out, you know, do some more spraying, uh, burn down, and just kind of, you know, leapfrog as we go there and, and try to stay ahead of our planter. And, um, yeah, I think everything's pretty much falling into place, thank God. So I know other years aren't we're not quite as lucky. Yep. Yep. Are you trying anything different? Is there anything new that you're doing or have you kind of, uh, Hey, we got things set. So we're going to just execute the plan. Yeah. I wish I had some exciting news for you on that front. Nothing really uh, different this year, just executing the plan uh, that's been working. Um, always up for trying new methods or things that might work, but um, yeah, right now I'm just staying within what's in our wheelhouse and uh, it's working out pretty good. You know, when you you switch from beans to corn, a lot of things, a lot of things to think about there and change up in terms of uh, different population, all those kinds of things. How about seeding depth? How deep do you go? I like two inch depth on corn and one inch depth on beans. That's kind of my go to if soil moisture conditions are good. But everybody's got their preference. What do you shoot for? Right. So, um, I mean, we have heavy soils around here in Pennsylvania, obviously, um, in Western PA it's pretty heavy, but, uh, I'm around the same place. I, you know, I want to be two inches on corn for sure. That seems to do really well for me. Um, inch to inch and a quarter on beans, which let's face it, if you can just get close to an inch at times with our soil, you're, you're pretty happy, <laughs> you know, but I mean that, look, that's where we set the planner for. We hope that it gets to the, to those points and, um, it seems to, but yeah, I like to stay within that just like you guys so well hopefully yeah. uh hopefully you get into that corn everything keeps going smooth it's like you say there's been some wacky weather this year but hopefully the rains keep coming throughout the season so we we get a decent crop well and that's what i was telling the guy that helps me here man i just hope we have timely weather you know everything works out good um you know that's the biggest thing boy if you can get through that those first couple months after planting and get those timely rains and good weather you're you're doing pretty good then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck to you, Kevin. Stay safe as you wrap up planting. Absolutely. You guys too. Thanks for having me on. Bet. 
Let's head over to Illinois. Got Keith on with us right now. How you doing, Keith? Doing right, Darren. How about you? Good, good. What you guys working on today? I'm out doing a little brush spraying right now. Uh, just spraying around the edges of the fields, fence rows, and stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah, that's a job that gets put off. I know sometimes even on our own farm, it's like, well, we get so busy with planting and everything else. And, and by the time we say, oh, man, we got to do that, everything's so big, it's tough to get. That's right. And I, I did I did really try to make a point this year, and this is the first year I've ever got it done, was going out and, and getting everything sprayed around the bean field so uh, before the beans pop up just so I didn't get any drift on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, we've had a lot of talk about nitrogen here. What are you guys doing over in Illinois? What? Uh, how do you handle that? Well, that was that was actually what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I've talked to you guys about this before. Um, I put manure on last fall uh, with a pretty heavy rate of nitrogen, and I did use a stabilizer this time, and I hadn't been doing that the, the, in some years past. And I went out on, I think it was March the 3rd, I was going to do some pre-plant anhydrous, and I took some nitrate tests before I did that. I uh, got the test back, and I was a little disappointed in how much I had left. And then um, I was talking to one of my agronomists, and I'm also going to do some side dressing in side dress anhydrous. And I took some tests on Wednesday of this week, and of course I don't have the results back on that. And anyway, I was talking to my agronomist, and he mentioned maybe I should have gotten ammonium tests also in case maybe that stabilizer was holding that that into the still in the ammonium form and uh maybe that was going to you know total my nitrogen up to be a little better than, than I, just nitrate i, I agree with yeah. him i agree with him keith because well, a lot of that yeah. hadn't converted yet and i know we've seen that with uh in the past where guys had put on anhydrous and it just hadn't converted yet over yeah, to this, nitrate yeah but this is manure he's talking about manure right i, I mean we're not talking about the anhydrous Correct. yeah it's just the manure and yes, there's going to be manure that's going to release. The problem is we don't know when it's going to release. And so this is one of the things we used to talk to our dad quite a bit about because he goes, guys, I see these tests and they always tell me, oh, first year availability is going to be this. And he goes, I've never found it to be that much. <laughs> so he said, just one of the, he said, one of my mistakes I've made in the past is not putting on enough nitrogen uh, when I'm also doing manure because year one never is good. But then in the future, of course, you get get some release uh, out of that in future years. So that's the whole problem that I would look at. Even with the ammonium test, you're still not for sure going to know what's going to come available out of that manure this year. So like even on our own farm, we get probably 2,000 acres of manure every year now. And we're we're going a little with a little extra nitrogen just to kind of overcome what we think is going to be a little shortage. So even if you'd done that test, I'm just trying to say, I don't know that you're still going to have the complete answer that I think you're looking for. So, but are you saying, Brian, then uh, what what's not going to become available out of the manure is that is that ammonium test not going to pick that up? That's my belief. Yep, that's okay. what I'm saying. So, uh, okay. I, I I mean, we've seen ammonium tests before, and a lot of times they're very low. So I could I could be wrong here on yours. I don't know. And it would be interesting to at least see a couple of tests. I mean, we always like data. The data is always going to be smarter than I am. But nevertheless, I'm just trying to tell you from our experience, yeah, we've never seen that it's going to be super accurate. I, I did do, I think I did this, I don't know if it was last year, where I did go ahead and get the ammonium test. And yep. like you said, I think I did probably 10 tests. Yep. And 
I think eight of them were six or below. Right. But I did have one that read one or two that read like thirty six. Oh, yep. So it, you know, it kind of skews the data there, I guess, a little bit. It does, but you know, even at thirty six, is that like a complete game changer on your farm? No. What, no, what, what no, I'm looking not. for a lot of times is, okay, did I miss something? And, I mean, we had it a couple years ago where we had a couple hundred extra pounds, and I don't know how it got to be so high. But, you know, something like that. Well, that's a game changer. Anyway, anything else yeah. we can do for you, Keith? Or I, that, was, that was what I want to call you guys about today. All right. Hey, thanks a lot for calling in. Appreciate it, and good luck to you this spring. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday, so we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 
44AGPHD. Let's head over to Minnesota. Got Dan on with us right now and hopefully rolling in the field. How are you doing, Dan? Are you guys rolling yet over there, or you guys just keep getting rain? Yeah. Uh, well, for me, we, we keep getting just enough rain to, to keep me out, um, you know, and we're our little township area. But some areas are, are better off. Some guys are getting some stuff done. Um, you know, I'd say corn around here is probably in that 50-60% range planted. Beans probably give or take a third. But uh, for me, for me, yet it's probably going to be about the latest I planted in the last decade. I guess I guess that happens once in a while. It, it does. Well, kudos to you for not mudding it in yet. It's it's way too early to be mudding things in. And I know some guys will panic. I was just talking to a farmer here last week, and he said, "Man, I'm driving by. We get too much rain to go." And I see somebody else is out there, and he's like, "Oh man, he's kicking up mud balls." And you definitely don't want that. That's pretty hard to recover from. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. Once you mess that up, it's pretty hard to fix it. <laughs> so, what's your mix this year? Do you do about half and half corn and beans? Yeah, I do for for our operation. We're kind of depends, but it's give or take. It's about a about a fifty fifty blend. Maybe a, a little bit more corn one year, maybe a little bit more beans the next. But yeah, pretty close to fifty fifty. So you say it's late for planting for, for you, this just compared to past years, does that mean switching down to some earlier maturities or what, what are you kind of thinking? Cause I know you're part of Minnesota. It seems like guys do push the limits there at times with how late a corn they're planting. Well, I'm kind of on the fence on that yet. I mean, my, my hundred, my hundred day type stuff, um, some tricepta stuff that I, I really like how it worked just last year. Um, I don't plan on switching away from that, but I suppose I'm starting to kind of get where, depending on how quick we dry out after any rain this weekend, kind of riding the fence on some of that 104-day stuff that that I'd like to plant. And, you know, I'm, still, I'm probably still riding the fence whether I go with it or or I wait, I guess. I guess I'd, I'd like somebody to tell me, are we going to have an early frost or a late frost? <laughs> Brian, you want to pull it up and just see for where Dan's at, where where we're at, and what what kind of maturity we could go? See if you can do that quickly. Uh, sure, but I, I need to know what town or roughly by what town are we talking? Oh, sure. Uh, right in between the Winthrop and Gaylord, Minnesota oh, area. Got it. Okay. Five, five. Yep. Okay, give me a second here and I'll pull it up. What's Go your ahead, zip code, you Dan? Yeah, 55396. There we go. Five five three nine six. Yeah. So we can. So Brian's going to pull up. Uh, there's a, a website yeah, awesome. through Purdue and some of the other land grants have worked together on a website where you can type in what your maturity is. Now it, it's a little tricky because if you say, well, it's a hundred and four day from this seed company or that. Well, they, they might be slightly different on GDUs, but at least it gets you pretty close. And the other thing that's kind of cool, right. when you put your zip in, it'll tell what the historic earliest frost dates are and average frost dates and those kinds of things to figure out, all right, when's it going to tassel roughly and uh, what's your odds of making it with certain corn? I'm going to guess uh, the 104-day, it's going to say no, but I'm going to guess <laughs> 98 to 100. I'm going to say it's probably right in the right in the wheelhouse yet. And, you know, we've planted a lot of corn here late with some of our research plots and things. And I know our, our research lead has said five out of six years, he's had 200 bushel corn planted the first week of June. So it's possible. Okay. So in your area, it looks like October 14th is the average first frost date. And I figured at 28 degrees, not at 32. Okay. Because 32, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the average, even planting 104 day, it would mature on average right after that October 17th. So that's probably pushing it. 
Um, if you go 200 yeah. day, then your average maturity date would be more like October 3rd where you'd black layer. So I think that's probably more in the ballpark you're shooting for, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's some varieties that uh, one of the ones I, I got that was really awesome for me last year was that 5055 of your guys is that tricepta one. And that's so I may end up, maybe I'll end up putting a little bit more of that one in or something. Okay. So, so let, on average, a 96 day corn would black layer right at your first frost date, which is September 22nd. So that's kind of yep. the range you're in is that, you know, if it's me, I'm considering like a 94 to a hundred days somewhere in there right now. But yeah, it's just one of these things yep. you got to kind of keep stepping it down. And it all depends on how risk averse you are, because for someone yeah. who wants to take zero risk, well, you'd be planting about a 90 day <laughs> corn. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm probably willing to, the, the, the farmer gambler in me is probably yep. willing to take a little bit more gamble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, well, hey, uh, thanks a lot for calling in, Dan. Really appreciate it, and good luck to you out there. Yeah, thanks a lot. You guys, too. Hope you have a, hope you have a good growing season. Thank you. Yep. yep, thanks. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Ron with us right now. How are you doing, Ron? I'm good. How are you guys? We're pretty good. We got uh, most of planting done. I think we're down to, what, two fields left, Brian? Uh, no, I, we're done. I, I mean, other than some late stuff. That yeah. Darren wanted to put in a little, a hold little on, bit of late hold stuff. Hold on, hold on now. two strips on one field. We, we want to see what it's going to do because Brian's <laughs> been talking. we got talk- our field day site Okay, Ron, here's, here's how it works on our farm. <laughs> I don't know how it works on yours, but Brian's got some ideas. I've got some ideas, and Brian's been saying, well, you know, if we plant a little later, we might get bigger, taller, more tonnage on a silage. And I'm like, well, let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's leave some spots. So we got a little bit that we're going to put in late and we'll just see how it turns out. So ho- hopefully it works out great. Well, that's good. We d- we try to do some kind of a research or experiment on our farm every spring and see how it works on our farm. What are you trying out this year? Are you trying out different hybrids? Are you trying out fertility stuff? or, or... Um, Well, we're trying some of the pivot bio on seed. Okay. And we've been using a product the last few years called Invita, which does – Spray it over the top with your post-emergence herbicide, and it helps the plant create its own nitrogen, similar to what the Pivot Bio is. Sure. So we're tr- we're trying uh, doing a, a test strip of 16 rows of Pivot Bio and 16 rows of non-Pivot Bio, the same variety planted the same day, and we're going to try and see if it does what it says it's going to do. Excellent. That's the way to prove it out. I, I like it. I like seeing, hey, we did same day, same hybrid. We took all the other variables out. Let's just see how it does. And then, you know, what I like too is you're putting it out on a field. And it's yeah. nice. And we do a lot of little test strips too, but sometimes you just don't see that variability. Like if you do a strip across a field, all right, how did it do in the high ground and the low ground and, and so forth? So I like it. That's that's pretty cool, Ron. Yeah. So and when the Pivot Bio folks are going to come out and do tissue samples. And then last fall, uh, the retailer we used put on three different um, application levels of anhydrous ammonia, 110, 130, and 150 across the 40-acre field. So we're going to hopefully with the yield monitor maps, we'll be able to see the benefits or the no benefits of what we've tried. 
yeah, that is that is really cool. It's it's neat. Now everybody needs to know what's going on on the farm, unless it's all you and you say, "Well, I'm running the combine, so I won't go through it." Because here's what happens on our farm: sometimes it's you know it's going to snow tomorrow. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, "Oh man, I hope something shows up big on our yield maps. Otherwise, we're not even going to know how that turned out." But uh, no, kudos to you for for doing the strips. It takes a little extra work and a little planning, but that's uh, how you learn. Yeah, that's that's it. Like I said, we do something every year, and this this is the year we're going to try and test out the pivot bio and see if it benefits our farm. So, what are your early stands looking like on some of the first planted corn? Have you got some that's up? Yes, we do. Uh, we've got a, the last two fields are just about emerging, but the stands on the first that we planted look really good. We planted at well, we variable rate. Uh, seeding population and anywhere from 35 to 37,000 and we we're right in there in that in that range around 36 so um, right now we have prospects of a good yield this year if we continue to get timely rains. Awesome. Well, we'll pray for you for that. I know we're sure hoping for that as well. We've had a couple of dry years here. We're ready to get back to even normal. We don't even have to be an exceptionally good year. Just a normal year would be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, Ryan, well, normal is hard to pick out every year. Oh, I know it. I know it. There there just doesn't seem to be one of those. But Well, hey, Ron, uh, as you get finished up, good luck to you guys. Stay safe and, and look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay. Thanks, guys. It's Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us your questions or comments, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4. Location? Craver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. 
Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um... We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. It's Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got Bruce calling in from Minnesota with a question about manure, or maybe a statement about manure and white mold. Hey, Bruce, how are you? I'm good. Um, what I was talking, what I will be talking about in manure is where I've used hog manure, and I, if you use manure on it, and then go back to manure on corn, and then go back to soybeans you have a whole lot more white mold problem if you put two years of corn there and go back to beans you don't yes i i can absolutely see that part of that is just the amount of nitrogen that ends up in that second year of manure you can take advantage of that with corn otherwise yeah your beans do get a little bit taller and then you're more likely to have white mold we've seen that same kind of thing i agree so i guess you also had a question about nutrient stratification yeah, we do quite a bit of no-till, mm-hmm. and uh, we're spreading all of our nutrients on top for the beans, and we're not getting enough results out of that. And on a few fields, we've tried using starter fertilizer, dry starter through our planter again, mm-hmm. and we're getting about a seven or eight bushel yield by going, additional yield by going that way rather than broadcasting. Wow. Um, I, I don't know that we've seen exactly that, but I will just tell you, we used to do a lot of no-till on our farm 25 years ago, 20 to 25 years ago. And that was one of the biggest issues we, we ran into. We were, we took about half our farm, did no-till for 10 years, and we just weren't getting anywhere on yield. And a lot of it was just the fact that we were farming kind of like how we used to farm with conventional till, only without tillage. By laying the nutrients on the soil surface, I mean, phosphorus doesn't move down. It just doesn't. And then potassium, like in our heavy soils without a lot of rain, it wasn't moving down much either. So, I mean, I'm not saying a guy has to go away from no-till completely. You just got to figure out some other alternative like you did. But we that's the reason why we went to strip-till on those acres so we at least could place the nutrients deeper. I agree with strip-till, but I've got uh, a lot of really steep ground. Yeah. Yep. And I can't make it work. Yep. Yep. No. Uh, otherwise, the fairy's cracked. Yeah. And... I mean, the other thing that we often say to people is, look, you don't, it's not like you have to do full-scale tillage every year or anything, but even if you did it once every 10 years, you could stir some of those things up if you're concerned you had nutrient stratification. So what we've talked a lot about is you don't have to do one-inch soil tests because we have done that, but if you did like 
three inches. So you did zero to three, three to six, six to nine. Just see where the nutrients are at. And yeah, that was our problem on our farm. We just got so many of them in the top three inches. And really, quite frankly, it was a lot in the top inch or two. And it wasn't where the moisture was. It wasn't where the roots were. I mean, to a big scale. So that that was really our challenge. So no, I can certainly see why if you place nutrients a little deeper in your beans, you're you're getting more response there. Yep, I guess that's how we'll be doing it for a while again. <laughs> Go back right. to an older method. Yep, yep. So, well, sometimes the uh, the older methods, they, they absolutely can work. All right. Hey, uh, Bruce. Sometimes in- broke, you shouldn't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say we got to keep trying new things because you just never know. But yeah, so you you solved one problem by going to no-till and hey, now we don't have all the erosion problem. But then yeah, sometimes that leads to, okay, now I've got this other challenge here. That's exactly what we found on our farm. Well, one other thing with no-till and white mold, you just hardly ever have any because there's no soil exposed. Yes, we definitely see less white mold in the no-till. Not that it can't happen, but yeah, you're right, a little less likely. Well, hey, Bruce, uh, we got to run, but thanks a lot for calling in. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. we got Jason over in Iowa on with us right now, and we got some soil samples Jason sent in too, and I would guess that's a big part of our discussion here. Jason, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Um, yeah, so I, I really just wanted to well, start with, like, calcium calcium in general so i've got i also sent a lime analysis do you have that in front of you too yes so i just you know in general is that a good quality lime um you know is the first kind of question because this this is some of the better lime in my area um so that's a midwest test yeah. Okay. So here is our concern with your lime only 48 percent goes through a 60 mesh sieve so mm-hmm. I mean, that's not uh, that's not a real high percentage. So ideally, we'd like that to be higher. I'm not saying this is a bad lime. I mean, it's just it's not maybe worth as much as if we were to get, uh, let's say, 48% going through 100 mesh sieve. Then I'd be a lot more mm-hmm. excited about it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly not terrible. So, so I did send uh, two lime samples into Neil Kinsey here. And I just talked to that guy today, um, nice. and there, there are two different samples from two different quarries around here. And this this sample you're looking at, as he said, was still the, the best. So, so that's sure. just what we had to work with. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, and, and I guess my next question kind of is, when you guys make lime recommendations, are you using a formula from universities, or do you come up with a different formula? Uh, yeah, formula typically from Midwest Labs. So, okay. Yep. And then All you're right. going to be looking at the effective calcium carbonate equivalent, which you have on here, the ECCE, and it's roughly yes. 60%. Um, I, I, I just wanted to, when I'm looking at your soil test, though, I, I just wanted to bring up, I don't see that, and maybe it's because you've limed, but I don't see that you have any real low pHs. Yeah, I maybe should have done something that was just fresh. I mean, something that was on our schedule this year. These fields are all just kind of spots that, I'm going to start sending to Neil every year just to try to get a baseline. So, yeah, th- a lot of these farms you're looking at have had lime. So, so that's why yep. they're in good shape. Yep, yep. good. Um, but I, and, and then to stay on calcium, I mean, since my lime, you know, could be better, um, do you think, what do you think about supplementing with pelletized gypsum? 
Well, the only reason I may consider that is just because your magnesium is a little bit high and that would help us potentially and, flush a little of the And we do need some sulfur. Magnesium we out. definitely need sulfur here. Right, right. Uh, I, I, I mean, you certainly can do that. I would just say we have, to this point, not found that if we're already in the 60s on calcium, and quite frankly, a lot of your magnesium, it's it's in the range of 15 to 25, 26, whatever. It's not like it's terrible. Your cation exchange mm-hmm. capacity is, I mean, you got a lot of stuff in the teens. So you've got kind of medium texture ground. I, I, We just, in those types of soils that we have ourselves, we haven't found where throwing a bunch of gypsum out there has made us a bunch of money. Now, okay. I, I mean, where, where we have made money is building up our K levels, building up our phosphorus levels. And your K levels and your phosphorus levels, I mean, they're not terrible, but if it's me, I'm I'm pushing both of those a little bit and, more. And I'm definitely and looking sulfur. at some of the micros. We're really short in boron. Uh, we've got some areas that are really short in zinc. Yep. Uh, so there's there's just a number of things here that, that could be addressed. The sulfur is a big one that I think you'll see some nice gains on too. And I, I would guess you're putting some sulfur on every time you're planting too. So I, let's put it this way. Neil talks a lot about calcium and magnesium, and that's great. And I'm not saying I disagree with him that those things are not important. We just have found that it's been more important for us when at least you're you're in a fairly decent range. You, you're not way out of whack or anything. I mean, it, yeah, right. if some, something was crazy, then I'd say, oh, yeah, we got we to gotta address that. But I think you're going to make yourself a lot more money if you spend your first dollars on phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur. And, and then, like Darren said, you got spots where you got some micronutrient issues too. Spend the dollars there, and then I think your yields are going to go up quite a bit. And then eventually, when you get everything else fixed, you, you might try a little bit of that magnesium, calcium kind of stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah, you can look up and down these, and you can pretty much pick out where the high yields are. You know, it's not too hard where where the P and K is high. Um, That's my point. There's a sheep pasture are the last two there. That's pretty obvious, you know. So, yep. Yeah, you're right on. And um, the sulfur, we do five gallons an acre with our pre's of thiosulfate, and we've done that for years. So that helps, but. It helps, um, but our, I've never, our point is consider more. We've done some ammonium sulfate yeah. on our farm. We'll do 100 or two. I think this year we did 200 pounds on like every acre we own just to make sure that we had enough sulfur out there. As an example, not yep. that you have to do it that way, but yeah, sulfur is really important too. So yeah, okay. I, I, the, the, the thing that I will say to you, Jason, is we don't deal in theory here. We deal in real world. We're trying to help you make money and I'm going to focus typically on what makes the money. And, and as long as we're doing the right thing for the land, don't get me wrong. But yeah, I, I, I think the calcium magnesium thing, I'm glad you're at least thinking about that and looking at the gypsum, but spend your money on P and K and I think you'll be much further ahead, at least in the short term. Yep. All right. Hey, Jason, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Well, I love Farmer Friday. We get lots of different questions today. Obviously, fertility, nitrogen, crop emergence, big topics. If you've got questions for us, you can always send them in radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.